Hi, and welcome to the Athena Rising Podcast. I'm Dana. I started a journey long ago to heal myself, and I want to bring you along. I have a master's degree in counseling, plus certifications in Reiki, regression, and hypnosis. My goal is to help women heal our unique emotional pain by showing you all the ways that exist to do just that. It's my belief that we aren't just healing ourselves, we are also healing all the women who came before us and all who are yet to come. Every Tuesday, I'll introduce you to guests, topics, and modalities that will inspire you to try something new on your path. Let's get started. Today's guest is Vanessa Walter, a parenting coach who teaches a method of caregiving that is heart-centered and compassionate. Vanessa has a master's degree in social work from Portland State University and is a licensed practicing therapist. Vanessa went on to earn a year-long postgraduate parent education certification from Echo Parenting and Education. She has been leading classes and providing individual counseling in Charlotte, North Carolina since 2012. Vanessa is mom to two loving girls ages 11 and 9 and has a decade of dedicated deep practice in conscious parenting. Vanessa has taken these years to create and form her unique method of coaching. This method simplifies the parenting journey to one simple step, which is in all interactions to lead with compassion. She continues to inform her practice and coaching with the teachings of leading researchers and spiritual leaders of our time. In this episode, Vanessa and I discuss why it is essential to form a connection to yourself before forming one with your child, why parenting at this point in time is uniquely challenging, and three steps that you can use in a difficult moment with your child no matter their age. Vanessa is offering online parenting courses on Tuesdays, beginning November 5th, 2019 through December 3rd, 2019. See her website in the show notes below for more information and enjoy this episode. Well, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. And um, I would love for you to just kind of start by telling us about yourself and about the work that you do. Well, thank you, Dana, for having me here. And I'm so grateful to be here because I love talking about it. So any opportunity I get is is wonderful. So um, I've been doing this kind of work since 2009. Um, my husband and I were living in Portland, Oregon. We were finishing up our degrees and we had our first daughter at the same time. And we moved to LA right after that. And I was really searching for a way to raise my, have my baby, you know, and I was really, I was longing for a way to raise this child um, where she would just kind of grow up with a sense of really being enveloped by love and a deep sense of worthiness and um, a clear vision of who she is in the world, a centeredness about herself. And at the same time, I kind of also knew myself as someone who's kind of sensitive and seeing the parenting journey ahead of me and looking at the ways that we typically parent, you know, times, timeouts and grounding and and inflicting like a little bit of pain um, for the learning to happen. 
And I just, I knew myself that I, I wasn't up for that and I didn't want to do that. Um, so I was searching. We found a nonprofit in LA called the Center for Nonviolent Parenting. Hmm. We called that at the time. It's now called Echo. And the word nonviolent jumped out at me because I had already a background in the nonviolent peace and social justice movement. And I knew that nonviolence is part of a powerful movement with Martin Luther King, Gandhi, um, that means a presence of deep respect, you know, um, for, for the other, for the other person. And so I knew that this would be a place where there's a deep respect for the whole child, the social emotional wellness of the child. So we went there, my husband came along gladly and we started taking classes and I did a year long certification there. Second child and moved to Charlotte and have been teaching classes and um, individual coaching. And I started my work as a therapist. So I've been doing that. I've been um, working at an office with adults and working with kids, working with middle school students in the school for the past three years as well. So that's what I've been up to. And, and on this journey, this deep personal practice where I kind of, and even obsessively think about and practice this every day, you know, I'm, I'm committed to this myself. Yeah. I'm laughing because, um, I worked in middle school as well. Okay. <laughs> I was a middle school counselor. Oh, <laughs> really? Home. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize that about you before we started. Yeah. That's too funny. I need a lot of support. Those middle schoolers. They do really they ever. And yeah. so do the parents. Um, yeah. And it's funny because I actually just recorded an, it, um, not an interview. I almost said an interview, an episode, um, a solo one by myself um, for parents about just kind of the relationship with that they have with the school and kind of how to facilitate that as well, because that's like a whole other beast. Uh, there's no handbook out there really on how to interact with the school and to get what you need in the best way for your child while, while um, just being honoring their position and their role. So yeah, that's kind of what I just recently talked about in an episode. Well, it's needed. It's needed. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. So I just think that's so fascinating that you um, took something that you were interested in for yourself for raising your own children and then kind of turned it into a career. So how do you work with families in helping them to parent from a heart-centered way? I've been doing some individual coaching, so either one-on-one -on -one or with couples um, and I've been doing classes. I'll have a class coming up, my first online class. And then just, you know, um, also practicing myself and, and doing it that way. So, yeah. yeah. I think we learn the most from actually doing. I, I say that as a parent myself. <laughs> so yeah. I understand. For sure. Definitely. I mean, I would, I would, you know, feel awful getting up in front and, and saying, you know, that to encourage parents to practice this if I wasn't doing it myself. So 100%. Yeah. Sure. Practice what we preach as much as we can. <laughs> we are human after all. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. How would you define conscious parenting? Kind of what is your style? What are you hoping to impart to um, those that you work with? What I, I really want to help parents on the parenting journey, I feel like I don't know if you feel this way, Dana, but 
we're so overwhelmed and bombarded. There's so much information out there, so many books, so many articles. And I want to just help parents simplify it down to what is the most necessary, most relevant, essential piece of parenting? What is that piece going to look like that's going to really help raise this human being, this whole person? And what that is, is really leading in with this presence in our daily moment-to-moment -moment interactions with a presence of compassion with our children. And because our underlying commitment and our intention is to lead and to parent with unconditional love. And that means that our love is always present. It's always available and, and our attention is there. We're engaged. Um, no matter what the behavior of the child is, we're still present with our love. Um, and that this means that we're always, our intention is always to stay connected to ourselves primarily. Number one, that's where we always start and we begin. Um, if we're not feeling a connection, we start with that connection to ourselves and, and then with our, our child. And our child, through this presence and repeated time after time, they sense this connection with themselves. And they get this beautiful opportunity to, to know themselves, to, you know, yes, this is who I am. This is how, you know, I am in the world. This is what I care about. Um, they get that opportunity. Um, so this is, I think also I want to stop because parents sometimes maybe freak out a little bit here where they think mm -hmm. unconditional love, no matter what the behavior, and they think, what does this mean? You know, my child can do whatever they want. And this is not permissive parenting. Our child still needs our guidance and our support. Permissive parenting is when um, we choose not to use our power. We're afraid of our power and our child actually has all the power and that's not safe and healthy for them either. Um, so this is a very um, engaged way of being of parenting. It's not permissive. Um, and also it's very helpful to look at what, how we typically parent, you know, what the tools we are that we use now, um, you know, in the traditional way that we parent. And, and that really is based on conditional love. I don't really think that love really is the issue. If you ask any parent, of course, we love our children. Mm -hmm. We would do anything for our children. And I just honor all parents. You know, there's, this is, you're in it. This is a long-term journey. Um, but, you know, we just have the wrong tools. Um, we, we just are using tools that are based in fear and based in a power over model. So power over meaning I'm the one who has all the power and you don't have any power. Um, and so we're actually modeling and teaching an ineffective um, way of using power in the world. And, um, and this is based in a punishment reward system. So we're, as parents, you know, our, we want to help our child grow and develop and learn about themselves and the world, navigate the world. And typically we look at the behavior that they're showing us and, and we decide, you know, that behavior is not going to, that's not good. 
that's harmful, you know, and some, and it is sometimes we, they need help, but we, I got to change that. So I'm going to, I'm going to give you a timeout. I'm going to ground you. I'm going to take away your privileges. I'm going to give you privileges, you know, if I like what you're doing and I want more of it, or we might inflict some emotional pain that's shaming. Mm -hmm. There's a whole body of research out there on shaming by Brene Brown. And that really isn't a very powerful core effective way to change behavior. It's such a core emotion. Um, you know, we might compare our child to another child or say, you know, you're acting like a baby or um, you're, you're crying like a girl. It's a boy mm -hmm. or you're not ladylike. So even like socializing them, you know, to think, you know, in terms of gender norms in our society. Um, so this is basically based in fear. Um, the motivation for the child to change their behavior is extrinsic. It's outside of their core. So, okay, I'll do something because something's going to get taken away. And it's based in fear. And what fear, what we know about the brain and neuroscience, I love learning and talking about the brain, you know, we know we have this, our stress response, you know, in our brain, our amygdala that kind of goes into alarm when there's a threat um, that we've, you know, that's come up with us through evolution that we share with all other animals um, that keeps us, it's there to keep us safe and to keep us in survival mode. But when it kicks in, it's, it's releasing cortisol, which over time, that stress and that cortisol can be damaging to the brain. We have studies about this long-term stress, and especially stress in the context of our interpersonal relationships and our caregivers, when there's a lot of stress and disconnection, because that's how we're built. You know, we're built for connection. That's how we thrive as humans. That is just, you know, the, the way we want to be. We want to be in connection with one another. And so when that disconnection is happening, um, over time it can lead down the road to mental, physical illnesses um, from, from the stress that builds up. We know that illness comes from stress and the mind, body, it's all connected. Um, and that emotion, it gets trapped in there. It doesn't have a way of being felt and released. You know, it, it stays in there. So, and also that our, our lower, that lower brain, that stress response brain keeps us in survival mode. And then the things that we want our children to do, we want them to be able to think and to find solutions. They're not able to because our brain kind of shuts down and then sort of only works for survival instead of connecting us to like our, our neocortex where our judgment and reasoning and our creativity and empathy lie. And we don't have access to that when we're under stress. Um, so as we, um, you know, if we, if we change the paradigm and we're, and we're coming from an act of compassion and we're, we're using conscious parenting, um, that's really speaking to the part of the brain that is in a stress response and and speaking directly to that part and allowing that brain to reconnect and think. Um, so the conscious parenting 
part is really it's it's that coming to um, our interactions with our children with that compassion energy and the compassion energy is equal parts empathy and equal parts trust and we kind of start this process by by unlearning what we know and what's our automatic pilot and we do that by just maybe have, starting with just an intention, a commitment to observe ourselves and with, without judgment and with compassion that, you know, oh, this was a time where I used shaming. I used a threat. If you don't do this, then you'll get this. I'll do that. You know, okay, wow. This is, so we bring some awareness and we might educate ourselves more. There's a great book about this um, by Alfie Cohen called Unconditional Parenting, which explains and explains kind of the praise, how praise actually is detrimental. It doesn't actually motivate kids. Um, really? That's interesting. It is interesting. That's what mm. I think parents struggle with too, because um, they think, well, I'm saying, you know, good job, you know. But again, if you think about it from a power over model, the good job or the, um, I love that, honey, you're, you're doing it, you know, that's an A plus or all these yeah. ways. Um, well, I'm the one mm. saying that it's good. You know, is there, you know, then again, that motivation becomes extrinsic, that conditional love. Again, that our love is always there, but the tools we have are conditional. We're, we're either giving our love or not giving our love based on the behavior of our child. So yeah. in that way, Oh, she, you know, did something I like and, and good job, honey. So again, that's the conditional way of, of um, expressing our love. Um, that makes sense. <laughs> yes. It really does. Yes. And Alfie Cohn, he's just this great researcher and he goes into that and he really mm. makes that apart. Of course, we can delight in our children and celebrate with them. Mm -hmm. That's a joining with. Wow, honey, did you work so hard? How are you feeling? Mm -hmm. Celebrating with them. And it comes from, so we, we change that motivation from, I'm motivated because of something outside of me to something that is, comes from within me, you know, that's yeah. empowering me to be, show up in the world and, and act, you know. Isn't that how we want to be? I mean, yeah, <laughs> a beautiful way of living. Um, so empathy and trust, um, when we look, so if we're looking at the behavior of our child, um, when we're doing it from the standpoint of, of conscious parenting, um, we start with a curiosity about what's beneath the behavior and what might be motivating the behavior of our child. You know, empathy is kind of like we put ourselves in someone else's shoes. We try to make that kind of leap into someone else's life and understand. And for our children, we can even have um, empathy because we know with neuroscience that our brains aren't fully developed as humans until 26. Mm -hmm. And so our brains, so those connections and that wiring that's happening to our, our, all our executive functioning the things we're wanting our children to do um, 
is still being wired. You know, that's, that's taking years of development to hardwire those connections. Um, so we can understand, we can have more compassion, but the things that our children are, are wanting, are needing in that moment that aren't working out for them, because again, that's when we notice the behavior is when everything's wrong. We don't really notice behavior when we're all in harmony and <laughs> everything's peaceful in the house, which, and that's interesting too, because mm -hmm. are we showing up then? Are we, are we, you know, oh, you know, pointing out all the strengths too, but we really see it when that, that behavior is coming out and we're curious to what's motivating our child. There's some really important core needs that are not being met for that child. They're trying to reach these developmental tasks, you know, um, and, and something's not happening. So instead of saying, mom, you know what? These socks are not working out for me. They're really itchy and I just really need some new socks. You know, we're working towards that. We want to help our child be able to vocalize that, but probably most of the time it's going to look totally different, you know, and the socks are getting thrown across the room. And um, so, so we want to really understand or, and, and come to a place where this is a lot of it is nonverbal. We can use our words. And again, this in my practice over time, what I found it to be so powerful is really the energy that we're holding and coming to, to our child. Yeah, this is really, this is hard. Hmm. Oh, you're having a hard time. And it, our, we use our words even sparingly. Um, gosh, are you feeling so upset? Just wondering, questioning, but really coming and holding and imagining. So we're kind of using our own ability to imagine what it's like. We're accepting, we're understanding. We might not agree, we might think this is a very silly reason to be upset, mm -hmm. um, but we accept that it's true for them. Um, so when that happens, our child feels felt. And that's a turn point by Dan Siegel, who's a neuroscientist, that means there's a connection. You know, yes, that is how I feel. And you might know that, you know, you and I might know that from when we're upset and we're with a friend or, you know, our partner and and they give us some empathy and we're like yes that's it you know it feels you feel that connection within yourself and you'll actually feel that you know with your child as your child as it connects and and it might be yes I feel that and now I need to I just need to cry some more you know and mm -hmm. and as you begin this process probably that will be the case um, that the there will be more time for more big emotions um, and over time, because of that, um, that constant presence, they'll be able to really feel it and, and move on. Um, but they'll, that feeling felt is really that speaking to that fear part of the brain, speaking to that amygdala. And, and it's like, click, oh, it's safe now. I can think again. My, my brain is connecting to my higher brain you know the the wiring that's that's there and that's being built so it's optimal brain development as well which is what we want for our children um, and now the solutions that we want to get to or the conversation we want to have about wonder how next time 
you can know if it's uncomfortable, how, how we can ask. Let's think about that. Or um, I wonder how we can make things more comfortable for you. Your child might have lots of ideas themselves and you might have lots of ideas yourself. So because that their creativity is there and instead of running to the behavior and trying to fix it, or change it, and it's so arduous, or you're trying to distract your child, or whatever it is, actually the solutions are, it's, it can be even a joyful process, and there's so many solutions that can be a possibility. So this is a power with model. So you know, we're, our child has power, they have a sense of their own voice, their own needs, and they're learning how to get their own needs met. And we come with our power, you know, we have needs for, for some, you know, respect and order and um, peace and, um, and those are in conflict, you know, those actually work together and we're showing them and giving them this powerful model of how to um, be in the world and use power effectively with others, you know. Um, so that's empathy and then trust this part, this piece, trust, and this is why it's compassion. Um, I, this has come later for me as I have been, you know, having a dedicated deep practice in this, um, along the way, I, you know, at times I kind of would fall into myself. I would fall into some maybe despair or hopelessness into like, the acknowledgement of the suffering of my child or the struggle. And I would kind of just go down there too. Um, and, and along the way, what I've, I've come to know is that this trust is in, in equal parts there present in this energy. And that is really an openness to to the present moment and to a trust and a belief that the, in the present moment, all is well. Mm. And that's kind of a crazy concept because it might not really seem that way when there's discord or conflict or chaos. It might really seem that, you know, no, of course all is not well. So we're kind of straddling a, a bit of a paradox. We're straddling there's suffering present and I'm acknowledging it and I'm, I'm empathizing. And at the same time, I trust. And there's hope. And we're opening ourselves to an energy that knows us more deeply and is more close to ourselves than we are to ourselves, than we know ourselves to be as our ego, you know, my personality, who I know myself to be. We're actually opening ourselves to something much deeper that, and in a little bit, um, it's almost like a surrender to saying, you know, I might not know everything in this situation. That's okay. I trust all as well. So there's hope. There's positivity, even maybe joy, which is a little bit crazy to think about a moment of, we can think of our most intense moments with our children, but we're really, it's really helping us to stay centered and grounded. And it's really opening us to, don't we want something, a consciousness a spirit that's beyond us to be a part of this process. I would like that. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, exactly. So just hitting that pause button and just slowing down and creating this intention 
that 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 can be there and it might just be a, a being it might be this sense of using empathy being present and it might just be saying in your mind you know all is well all is i know you know because usually and i can look back and i can think of all the times there's been a lot of you know conflict or discord and yes all is well or this is a this is not about being this perfect parent this is not about being this perfect unconditionally loving parent at all it's about connection and always having a beautiful opportunity to again practice connection again practice compassion and the more we do that and enter into that practice we're modeling that for our child and we're healing ourselves we're healing the world because if we're doing this and so we're actually we might be in our homes alone by ourselves we're part of a greater movement you know we're part of a lot of other people who are out there who are really engaged and have a practice of being conscious and peaceful and present um, so we are we are tapped in to a greater movement as well this um, method of parenting is just, um, it speaks to me so much. And it's, I, I just have to echo what you said about um, this being for the greater good, because I really feel when I started looking into parenting this way, I love to use myself as, as an example in this podcast. <laughs> um, parenting, going into it, I had a lot of ideas about how I would be as a parent. And I was very anti-spanking. I was very anti-timeouts. And when I found myself actually in parenting and in the throes of a three-year-old throwing a major tantrum, um, it all went out the window. And it was just like, forget what I said I was going to do. This is hard. And I'm going to resort to what society has told me to do. And what I've seen done um, in my childhood or to friends or whatever. And it was like this anger was coming out within me that I, I'm not an angry person, but something about parenting has triggered something that in me. And I really believe that this is in our genes. This is in our lineage. This is, if we can break these patterns, we are healing things that have already happened. We are healing things that will come in the future. And we are just doing so much more work than just how we interact with our own child on a day-to-day basis. It's so much deeper than that. And love your message. Yeah. Yes. And that, and it's important to know that as we engage in this practice, we're up against that. We're up against we all are. the generations mm-hmm. that have come before. And so our practice is going to be pretty intense. Yep. So um, that anger that you feel, that automatic pilot, that's just, that's on automatic pilot. So to our, our brain is, we have neuroplasticity. We can shift that and we can change it. Um, you know, we, we really are showing up and we're, but as our children experience that, you know, their ability to show up in the world, or maybe if they have children is it, it's sort of exponential the way it grows from then on. So, you know, we kind of have the hard work of <laughs> shifting. Um, and that is where this compassion just comes in because, you know, 
that is the only way through this. It's the only relevant way through this for ourselves and our own healing. That anger's coming up because it's very fruitful to maybe um, do a, a coherent narrative to write down what it felt like, you know, when we were children. Yeah. And, and, and that will be clues. Also that, that automatic pilot and those triggers that come up, the, the very extreme emotions that come up are good clues for us that um, this was something going on for me. Mm -hmm. I was growing up in, in where, an area where I need healing. And then we might journal about that later or find some healing practice with that later. Mm -hmm. um, but even just being in it with the child moment to moment um, is healing. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, so often I see a lot of parents um, placing the blame on their children. It's so easy to just say they're acting out. They're, they're just being horrible. They're doing this or doing that. But really our reaction to that behavior is um, creating a dynamic in and of itself. Um, something that I read in the conscious parent that totally like changed my thinking um, was a sentence where she said um, that accepting your child, just like you were talking about. And I always thought of that in like a broader sense, you know, so if my child is gay. Will I accept them? Yes, of course. I love them. Or, you know, something, a bigger acceptance piece, but just accepting that you're in the grocery store and they are hungry and tired and they're acting out because of that, just accepting them for where they're at flips the whole thing around. It, it makes it not such a blaming um, game. Like, oh, you're just embarrassing me in public. It becomes a, like empathy and, and trusting and you can meet them where they're at. And I just think it's such a beautiful way to parent. <laughs> it's, it's game changing, really. It's a beautiful way to be a human being. To be a know? human being, yeah. our children are human beings. So, you know. Why do we treat so them differently? You know, we wouldn't yeah, treat we? other people. <laughs> really. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? Yes. I know. Um, and that's just, that's just our, that's our culture and that's our mm -hmm. lineage and our history. And it doesn't have to be that way anymore. We know too much, you know? Yeah. And, um, and I think, and parents really want that, but they want their, the child's happiness. Um, and also just, I love how you brought up the grocery store because <laughs> that's one of the hardest places to <laughs> practice empathy because yeah. you, you're surrounded by, you know, and so the best thing to, to know about that situation is, first of all, you, can, you just kind of imagine surrounding yourself in a bubble if you're wanting mm. to choose to, to show empathy. Yeah. Um, and then it's helpful to know that as you yourself give empathy to either yourself or to your child and are sort of modeling that, because of our mirror neurons in our brain, other people in the grocery store are witnessing empathy happening over here mm -hmm. and their mirror neurons are firing and you're actually helping other people yeah. to cultivate empathy just by mm -hmm. modeling it. So that could be a helpful thing as well. If you're struggling in public, um, when first starting out, you know, it's really doing it at home as much as you can. And, but I mean, you, you can't escape those situations mm -hmm. and, um, so I've done that in the past, like a sort of a protective like shield around myself. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to just 
be here. We're going to just be in this aisle for five minutes or <laughs> however long this is. <laughs> That's a great strategy because I really do think social pressure when you're yes. in public has a huge shaming. impact it's as well. Shaming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So back to shaming as adults, you know, yeah. like which we usually inf- put on ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. Because we want to be accepted by everybody. And that's, you know, again, it's, that's how we're wired. We want to be in connection with others. Um, but then that shaming or that anxiety within ourselves automatically disconnects us from our child. Mm-hmm. So in conscious parenting, the first step always is starting with ourselves and giving ourselves that compassion. Um, and, and that is always where we start. So in fact, it, it kind of flips where the traditional way we parent, we see a behavior come up and we go right to our child and we try to fix it or change it, help our child or teach them. And in this model, we're actually flipping that. And our, so we'll see that our child's behavior and then that will be our signal that this is the time for me to turn my energy inward. So that might sound kind of crazy because it's like, what, I'm just leaving my child hanging out there and something's going on. You know, we're, that's number one, we, as we turn our attention inward um, and, 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 and what might be happening for us are some triggers um, and deep, you know, feelings of anger or frustration or, or some parents I've worked with where it's, they kind of shut off, they shut down and there aren't any feelings. So they're mm. really disconnected. Um, and there might be, so this is kind of a helpful practice um, for parents to do. There might be like a feeling of constriction that you feel when those really um, triggering moments are happening. Um, or you might just be feeling worry or anxiety. You might, you might just be thinking about, oh gosh, my child's grades or friends or, you know, and that might bring on some worry. Well, that worry and that anxiety is going to create a disconnection. We're not going to be able to show up unconditionally um, with compassion for our child. So if we, if we take the time to turn inward, this is where a practice of mindfulness can really help. Mindfulness is really being present in the moment and um, being aware of everything in the moment, accepting the moment. And you'll probably find that... Um, as you begin to create and cultivate awareness that your body constricts. Um, so you might, your breathing might get really shallow. You might feel a constriction in your arms or your gut or chest. And, and if you feel that just starting from that point and using the tool of the breath mm-hmm. and just bringing your breath, breathing into that space of constriction and just expanding it taking slow breaths and just working on that alone, just with the body. And you could say to yourself at that moment, I'm really struggling. You know, in your mind, you could just really acknowledge your own struggle. You know, like I just, this is a horrible moment. I'm feeling so out of control. This is really hard. And what might really help that self-compassion in this first step of the process is connecting that to humanity. Mm-hmm. No, I know I'm not alone. I know that I'm not the only one that other people struggle to. And then just an act of kindness, we might just put a hand on our heart and just keep 
the breathing going. And so we could be doing this, sitting there with our child in front of us, maybe crying, screaming, um, whatever. We can be sitting there doing this practice next to our child. That could even be enough for our child to begin their connecting process and their self-regulating process. That might be that energy that we're just holding just for ourselves. It might even just be enough. But once we do tap into that and, and um, you'll feel that click too, that sort of, ah, the trick is really to kind of hang in there for 90 seconds, a minute and a half. Is That's how long the cortisol takes to reabsorb into the brain and we get that ah oh, feeling. Um, so if it's a really intense moment, where I've had really intense moments where I just can't even, I'm, I'm so on the edge. Um, or I've started yelling and screaming, you know, mm-hmm. and I have to, I have to remove myself. I have to go to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And then if I'm in the bathroom, that's great because then there's some nice cold water that I can also splash on my face and do my work around that. And then I can come back. And, um, and I can be in that process with my child, with then opening to step two, um, giving the empathy, trusting in the moment that all is well, and being curious and wondering, yeah, and holding that space. And then step three, once that feeling felt happens, the child has been able to cry, to feel really upset or sad, then everyone can think again, and then it's time for solutions. And that's the most effective way to learn and grow and develop. Now we've given our child a beautiful opportunity for him to know, you know, this is who I am. I like comfortable things, or I, you know, I I like having choices and autonomy, and, um, you know, this is who I am. we're giving them that opportunity to know themselves and to know, to tolerate their own pain and their own suffering. So, you know, in America right now, we have an opioid epidemic, you know, which is really about pain and how do we deal with pain? And there's so much pain and suffering. And so we're really helping our children um, to tolerate that I can feel pain I, I'm seen, I'm heard, I'm understood in the context of that loving relationship. And, and I, then I move on, you know. Um, so yeah. we're, we're really doing so many different things. And again, this is where I have a beautiful quote. Um, this is from my favorite um, parenting book um, mm-hmm. called The Parents Tao Te Ching, which is an interpretation of the Tao Te Ching cool. by William Martin. Stay at your center and look beneath the behavior to the heart of the child. There you will find only good. When you see the heart, you will know what to do. So that quote just talks about when you engage in that process of wanting of your intention to connect, then you'll know what to do. You know, we've got all those books and ways and methods of what to do. Well, we can then utilize those more effectively, or we might be thinking of our own in the moment. Our intuitive, our intuition comes into play in that moment. And we 
we find just what we need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I want to ask you about um, the when you're in kind of the curiosity stage. So when you're trying to kind of do that work of uncovering what's going on beneath the behavior um, and trying to see the heart of your child, you know, as you're starting out, it's hard to use your intuition if you don't kind of know how to tap into that. What suggestions do you have for parents of things to ask, you know, in that moment? What do you say to your child when maybe they can't communicate what, (laughs) you know, what they um, feel? Either they're too young to do that or they just don't know how to put it in words at the time. And and even if they're older, they might not be able to put it in words because that part of the brain is shut down. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not, we don't have access to those language centers. Um, and a lot of times that's we're doing traditional parenting, you know, Doesn't think work. about what you're doing, you know, or, well, they can't. So yeah. we can, we can use our words and we can enter in with um, questions and wondering, you know, you know, is, um, are you, are you frustrated? Um, we can, because we, again, don't come in knowing, oh, you're so mad, you know, because mm-hmm. they might, it might not be that. So they get to kind of question it. They get to kind of feel it out for themselves. So you can come into the moment with that with a three-year-old, um, you know, asking those questions from time to time can be very helpful because it helps them to develop a language to describe their mm-hmm. feelings, you know. Um, so that is a part of it, but really the biggest part is, is trusting that showing up with, with this compassion energy and saying, you know, this is hard. Yeah. I'm, and I'm just really, I'm just here and I'm close by, you know, mm. so hard. And, and it's really, um, allowing this this time to, to have, it's allowing this, it's giving the space to hold, um, what is there and what needs to come out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, and you'll feel if you need to ask the questions, you know, you'll know to do that. Um, but yes, just holding that space. And as your child begins to feel, feel felt, you know, Okay, that was a really hard moment. You, that, you were you feeling frustrated? Okay, what can we do? You know, so that's when um, once the connection and the feeling felt has happened, then that's when that thinking brain is online again, and mm. they might not even need to find a solution. They might happily go on their head here, you know, or, or a lot of times solve it themselves. Um, that's what ha- my children do now is that. We've done this so many times. We get to the solution part. I'm like, okay, you know, no, I've got, I got it. You know, like yeah. they don't need me anymore. You know, no. but you right. know, yeah, yeah. So I love that. Does that help? Does that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, it takes me back to my counseling days of just mm-hmm. reflecting back, reflecting back until they can get calm and. Um, you just name the emotion for them. If it doesn't fit, they will tell you. <laughs> and so oh, you, yes. you know, <laughs> they will. And it's helping them. Right. right. No, I'm not mad. Right. No. I'm frustrated. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
right? I find what I am. Okay, it's okay not to know. I, it's okay yeah. not to know. It's, let's just sit here and be, you mm-hmm. know. And that's that is what's what counseling and therapy is. But this way, if we're you know really helping our children to know this process within themselves, trust this process within themselves that I'm going to get mad or angry sometimes, and and then I know I can deal with it. Yeah, I don't have to go and I don't have to numb out or go and and hit someone or, you know, blame someone. Um, of course, there are children and their brains haven't fully developed, so that will still be happening, you know, but over time, they'll, they'll really, this key piece that we all talk about, the self-regulation, mm-hmm. that's a learned process through time. Um, and also, we're not even really, you know, why, why do we care to do this? We do care to do this because we want to help our children grow and develop, you know, into really healthy, whole interdependent adults, Mm -hmm. right? That's the key, you know, we're, we're independent sometimes, but sometimes we need to rely on people and that's a strength too. We're interdependent, but really, you know, that future moment, that future time doesn't really exist. The only thing that really exists is this present moment Mm -hmm. and, and being connected with each other in the present moment is, is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. And then we can just trust that through that path, everything will fall into place the way it, it needs to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're just um, further creating a deeper connection between you and your child that will, um, you know, serve you well in your relationship with them and in their relationship with other people. And, um, I just love it. I love it so much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Perfect>. Me too. <laughs> but as much as we love it, I'm yes. sure you have run into people who, um, maybe have some misunderstandings or mm. some misconceptions. So what do you run into and, and kind of, how do you respond? Um, I think that there's definitely, I mean, I, I know that, lots of people out there, you know, kind of, <laughs> um, might not agree with this, although it's based in science, you know, we can be a hundred percent confident that this method is a very beautiful way. It shifts our perspective a little bit mm-hmm. because we're not really so overly focused on the moment and having to get the perfect grades right now. We're kind of trusting that that there's a developmental process and that things are going to click into place when they need to. And that every child's development is, is their own, you know, over a span of years, you know? Um, I think some parents I run into, um, I think time is an issue for some people. Like they think this sounds like an extreme amount of time and energy. Um, and so I would just argue that that, you know, that using our traditional model of parenting, um, you know, like children putting their shoes on in the morning or in work, you need to leave, we got to go to school and your shoes aren't on. Now I've yelled at my child, you know, I've asked him 20 times. Now I've yelled. Now my child's yelling back at me. Now we're fighting. Now we're five minutes late. Now I'm like, okay, now I got to go up to the room where my child put herself and, you know, talk to now it's 10 minutes late. So that conflict can really escalate really quickly. Um, and I would argue that it would take as much time to just sit 
you know, and be present and provide empathy and be curious about, you know, what's going on in the moment. Um, we need to kind of be careful about um, going into our relationship with our child and using compassion as a way to modify their behavior. So we can very quickly turn using compassion back into a traditional mm. tool <laughs> to <laughs> change behavior. Um, okay, if I, if I just show up and I use empathy, then my children will get their shoes on right away, you know. Um, that typically won't work because energetically we're not carrying the, you know, we're not holding that true authentic care and concern. And, and more than the words we say, our children understand the energy underneath. So, yeah. you know, yeah, um, we need to just <laughs> watch that in ourselves because as parents, that's, we just we need to get going. You know, we got our own needs here. And um, we're really, we're really just trusting that, you know, if we, if we're using conflict or we, we're using, you know, punishments over time, that keeps creating disconnection um, and, and will lead to just further disconnection, um, you know, and that if we're using compassion, um, we're sort of letting go a little bit of like this, like, my child needs to learn how to get their shoes on, right? Like, we're gonna find a solution. We're gonna try to, okay, we learned from today that the shoes maybe need to be right by the door. What can we do tomorrow morning? You know? mm. um, and and how, can, how can we make this better? We wanna get there, but, um, but yeah, we don't wanna, we wanna do it through connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And maybe looking at those pain points, you know, things throughout your day, if you continue to have the same struggles with your children in the same areas, like you said, doing something different, you can even just switch that up <laughs> and maybe it'll make it, um, it'll show them that you are making an effort to meet them where they are to make their struggles lighter as well. It's a, um, it's such a team effort. It is. It's, and it's just so beautiful to be a human and to feel really deeply cared about and loved and understood um it, it's it's why we're here you know it's just don't we want to um live every moment you know that we can um, yeah 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 well i'd love to hear a little bit more about your own parenting journey and um I know that you looked into this right when you had your first child. So maybe you implemented this from the start, but I would love to hear how this has helped you in your life. I, my daughter was two when okay. we um, started doing the classes. I had been through school and I, it's, and I was like holding my baby and, you know, using some language that I had learned about in school, mm -hmm. like, holding this little infant and being like, you can feel all your feelings, you know, like talking yeah. to the baby. Um, but kind of being like, no, there's something, there's something else that I need here. Um, and so, I mean, I remember those moments where I was trying, like having her stand in the corner, like a sort of mini timeout or, you know, just doing that like once or twice and be like, ugh, like I can't do this. And, um, and, and so as it, as I, you know, I really felt I had this good foundation um, um, with these classes. 
Um, and then we really, we've had a lot of um, stressors, you know, in our family life. We've had a lot of moves with mm -hmm. young children um, and, and stressful jobs. And so I want to say that too, because this isn't some like, everything has to be just perfect. We all have time and energy um, to spend. Um, you know, that it's taken a long road for me for this, this self-compassion piece to really click in. I've always had an intention and a sincere effort at the practice. Again, this isn't about being this perfect parent. It really is about coming to it with an intention and a sincere effort to try. Mm -hmm. And actually that's, that's what our children feel from us. Mm -hmm. So we might still be on automatic pilot and we might still, um, you know, every time, you know, I, I go to automatic pilot or I make some threat, you know, or threaten <laughs> my older daughter, she's really the litmus test because we've just been doing this mm. and, and she is, no, it's about the relationship and it's about how connected we are. And that's the only thing that, that motivates her and not, none of the traditional parenting. So I don't want to say that to freak people out, but it's a really, it's such a beautiful opportunity because I mean, I want that and I'm committed to that. And it's always, whenever I fall into that, it creates such intense disconnection and conflict. I'm like, well, here it is again, that this mm -hmm. doesn't work. And I don't want this. I don't even want this. Um, but along the way, I've, I've, and I think the children have always felt that sincere effort, that there's been a, a sincere practice. Um, and with the self-compassion piece, I mean, I, you know, you, we have lifetime of being one way, you know, or being so judgmental of ourselves, you know, for sure for myself. And now all of a sudden I'm starting this to, to just realign and rewire my brain so it just takes some time it's okay and i'm not saying that that's how it has to be for everyone you know um i think with some of the stressors we've had that's just it's just taken some time but um i can i can now really enter that um that that place of self-compassion mm -hmm. and and feel it so profoundly um and and just drop into it much, much quicker. Um, and, and also really focusing on my own joy, my own needs. We can't help our child meet their own needs if our needs are not met. And that's, again, we come back to, our, to ourselves, you know. We probably, as parents, we probably aren't gonna get all our needs met, you know, that's, it's just going to be the way it is, maybe. <laughs> but there's some core ones that are going to be sort of non-negotiables that it's different for everybody, you know, like for someone it might be sleep or someone it might be exercise or being able to talk with friends, um, you know, so really being, having a dedicated, you know, for kids, like, well, I've got all this time and I can just sort of, I can binge watch TV and, you know, I can just, <laughs> you know, I don't have to work so hard at this, but um, yeah. or might be I, I just need to meditate a little bit, you mm -hmm. know, um, to ground. So 
really doing that, really finding my joy. I mean, for me um, now, like if I, I, I can easily bring joy into my life by just turning on some music and then I just start dancing in the kit, you know, and just, and I can, I can find joy right in the moment, you know, and I can create that and then it's catching and then everyone's dancing or, and then we're off to school happily or, you know, um, I'm just choosing it. So, um, that's been my growth and, um, and also a, a more, a deeper relationship with spirit, with God. Um, I think that I've had this experience where I sort of maybe don't feel deserving, you know, mm. of, of love from God or I'm not worthy. And because of this practice, I know that the heart of God is unconditional love, no matter what. And now I can almost, when I tap into that, if I, there's something I think that I, I've done so wrong or I'm having a hard time forgiving myself or, you know, yeah. um, I can just really turn, I can really turn in, in prayer and meditation and I can feel almost like a conversation happening where God is seeing to my heart because it is, it is good. My intentions are good you know, mm -hmm. and feel that compassion. And so I felt a real deepening in that um, mm. relation and that spiritual journey. I love ending on that note because mm -hmm. um, we really are mirroring that unconditional love that we receive yes. to our children and back to us and back to God. And it's like this beautiful cycle. And um, this is such a huge topic. I feel like we could, we've only dipped our toes in, <laughs> but you have just shared so much beautiful information and so much about yourself. And I just have to thank you so much for that. And if someone is listening to this and wants to get in touch with you, wants to work with you, where can they find you and connect? Um, I have a website. Um, vmariewalter.wixsite.com slash parent coach. Okay. So you can find me on the website. You can email me vmariewalter at gmail.com. Um, and I'm accepting and if you want to work with me or do coaching or do class. Um, you can find me there. Great. I will put um, links to your website and your email in the show notes to make it easy to find you. Um, and I just thank you again so much. This was amazing. Thank you, Dana. Thank you. I hope you found information, clarity, or inspiration that you'll take with you today and use in your everyday life. If you enjoy my show, the biggest compliment you could give would be sharing it with your friends, subscribing, rating, and reviewing it on whatever device you use to listen. Visit me at athenarisingpodcast.com or at Athena Rising Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. A huge thank you to Purple Planet for the music used in this episode. See you next time.